The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about David Bakhtiari being on the pup list. Reasons to be concerned, reasons to hold out hope. We'll talk about that all. We will also chat about the Milwaukee Brewers hot weekend. The bats were rolling. Are there reasons to be encouraged? I actually think there might be, even with a bad Rockies team. We'll also talk about the bad jerseys for the Chicago Bears. What would be the type of jerseys that would make you basically say fuck it as a Packer fan and not want to support the team? Because that's how I feel some Bears fans are feeling with those all orange get-ups. Lastly, we'll do a weekend recap. I have a bunch of things to dump out from the weekend that I think you guys will enjoy. So that will be at the end of the show as part of Chuck's Corner. Before we get rolling, just a reminder, we're on social media, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok, Facebook too, if you are curious there. We also would love you to rate and review if you're already subscribed. If you're not subscribed, go do that now. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure you're sharing with your friends. Make sure you're telling your friends about what we have going on. Like I said, I think we are the most unique podcast that is out there in Wisconsin. There's not a lot like us. Um, Usually they stick to one thing and we do not. And I think that makes us special. Some would say that's probably why you you haven't blown up. I would say, yeah, maybe. But we'll, you know what? We'll keep doing our thing until we decide we're not going to do it anymore. Uh, Lastly, uh, just a programming note, uh, we are going to be out on Friday. Uh, I'll be in Boston. I should be there with Murph and Mitch. If we tape a podcast and there's a podcast there Friday, you message me to delete that thing because that thing, there's nothing good that can come out of that. But yeah, we'll be uh, all out for Merce Basher Party in Boston. Cannot wait. It has been something circled on the calendar for a long time now. So looking forward to it. And it should be a lot of fun uh, in Beantown, watching the Brewers, having a grand old time with a bunch of different dudes, a lot of great dudes, and it should be awesome. But anyways, let's talk about David Bakhtiari and the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers start training camp on Wednesday, their first practice that will be open to everybody. Everybody will make their reactions. People will be talking about wide receivers. We'll, I'm sure we'll do some training camp storylines actually probably for tomorrow's show. But David Bakhtiari is the big headline. David Bakhtiari is what I think a lot of people will be talking about today as David Bakhtiari will be on the pup list. David Bakhtiari is not going to be practicing with the team to start the NFL training camp sessions. Now, a lot of people will panic. A lot of people will be running for the hills because David Bakhtiari has not been himself since the ACL tear on December 31st, 2020. I understand the concern. I get where people are ready to panic, but I don't think it's time to just completely think Bakhtiari's career is over, that Bakhtiari is going to be a strain on the Packers' cap. Shout out to Ken Inglis, who always likes to cry wolf no matter what the scenario is, and he did it again with Bakhtiari's injury. I'm not there yet, okay? I don't think Bakhtiari's done. I don't think Bakhtiari's washed up. I think the Packers are continually playing it safe. And Matt LaFleur told you as such in minicamp. Now, it raised a few eyebrows. It was kind of like a dog who hears something odd and their ears perk up. That was what a lot of people did with LaFleur's comments where he's like, well, hopefully to have Dave back at the start of training camp. I think it will be a slow bleed in. I think you will see Bakhtiari there. I think you will see Bakhtiari working out. 
If Bakhtiari isn't working out, yes, that will be cause for concern. That will be definitely things to panic about. But if Bakhtiari is still working out, still training with the team, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I think if Bakhtiari is not practicing with Aaron Rodgers and the ones by August 8th, then it should be a concern. I think the Packers are taking a cautious approach, and that's why I'm optimistic about this whole thing. Because the Green Bay Packers, A, told us that that's what they're going to do, and B, I can see them wanting to make sure that David Bakhtiari is fully healthy, that there is no setbacks. They they want to avoid anything that would jeopardize Bakhtiari for week one. I am not worried yet. I don't think that's something to be concerned about. Just because he's on the pup does not mean he's not going to play against the Minnesota Vikings. There are nine guys on the pup. There are notable guys on that pup list that include Christian Watson, the second round pick for the Green Bay Packers. It just means they aren't medically cleared yet to practice. That is all it means. And I think that you see the words pup and you think, and the acronym is scary. I get it. It's physically unable to perform, but that means so much different during the regular season. And that's like a six week you know, thing and you start the year on the pup and you can't come off until week six. Like that's what the pup is at the end of training camp. At the start of training camp, all it means is you just can't practice with a team session one, all right? You're going to have multiple sessions. You're gonna have a few weeks of this thing. I think it's not worth running for the hills and thinking that Bakhtiari is never gonna be the same player again at this point because it does you no good. The season doesn't start tomorrow. The season doesn't start in a week. It starts in six weeks. It's, well, it's way less than six weeks now, but it was six weeks to Sunday of yesterday. So why are we all of a sudden ready to be throwing our arms up that Bakhtiari won't play? There is nothing that says that. And so I think people do this all the time. And I think sometimes it's a lack of understanding. Sometimes I think it is the fact that Bakhtiari has been hurt for a couple of years now. Like it's a little bit different to have somebody else who has a ding or a bruise or something like that where it's like, all right, you can't practice game, practice one, but practice two, practice three, you're going to be all right. And I understand there's a little bit of concern because it's been so long for David Bakhtiari. But I think Green Bay is trying to rewrite their mistakes and or right their wrongs, I guess would be the better way to put it, where I think the Detroit thing was a mistake. They had Bakhtiari out against Detroit. He only was able to do, I think, 27 snaps before he had to come out. The fluid in his knee became pretty outrageous. If you read what he did for Cheesehead TV, where he basically talks about how just his knee kept swelling up and there was nothing he could do about it and that he was going to feel good and he felt like he was going to be ready to go. I think the Green Bay Packers and Bakhtiari pushed it a little bit too hard and wanted to get him reps before San Francisco. And they worried that Bakhtiari needed those reps to be ready. And who knows, maybe with those two weeks, it might not even matter, right? The swelling still could have been an issue and Bakhtiari might have had those 27 snaps in Lambeau and then been out. I'm sure that he is as frustrated as every fan, okay? So like, I do not think this is a situation where David Bakhtiari is not training, not working hard. He wants to be out there. And it's not like David Bakhtiari has been like zero dark 30. Like David Bakhtiari hasn't disappeared from the internet. He's still sharing memes. He got married. He's expecting a child. Like David Bakhtiari is not necessarily 
out of the limelight. Like he's there. So I think if if it was a concern, I weirdly would expect Bakhtiari to not be so interactive with the with the media and the fans for that matter. I haven't checked recently. I'm not stalking David Bakhtiari's page, but I I would be stunned if he's like, yeah, guys, I can't. I'm out for the season again, right? That this knee thing is still giving me problems. It's still swelling. The Packers don't deserve to give us any answers, though, by by the way. I hope you guys get that. I know there are a lot of fans who think they need to know everything. And I think that's partly due to social media. Like, you want to hear everything. That's why, you know, random assholes create leak accounts. Like, that MLB leaks got suspended or he deleted his account after saying, oh, the Brewers are in the running for Ramon Lariano. Uh, the Brewers, I think the uh, Cardinals were mentioned with Soto, which now has kind of reached at the national level. But people love to make shit up and love to sort of feel that's that they know something, right? I love when I get sourced data. Like I love not sourced, yeah, sourced information, not necessarily data, but like I love when I have things that not other people do. You know, I've I've had a few things here and there in the past, like the PJ Tucker thing I had. I'm trying to think of something else that was out there. I had the Yelich actually right before Yelich signed. I tried to break it. I was like two minutes shorter than Ken Rosenthal. And that's not a short joke at the short King Kenny here. Uh, but seriously, like it's always fun to have sourced information. And I think that makes people want more answers and people want to dig of like, is something actually really wrong with David Bakhtiari? And so I think LaFleur knows that he's going to get pressed on it heading into this week, especially after the first practice of the year. I know that that will be a topic of conversation. And I'm sure LaFleur will say it's exactly what we told you guys in minicamp. We are going to take a cautiously optimistic approach. We don't think David David is in danger of missing week one. And we think he'll be out on the field sooner rather than later. I think that is exactly what Matt LaFleur is going to say. So to panic, to run for the hills, it's like panicking about the wide receivers right now. It's like worrying that if Christian Watson, who obviously won't be on the first practice, but has a bunch of drops early, that he's going to be this fucking bust. Like we just need to take a step back and slow down. I know that we're all starved for football news. I know that we want to make sure that the Packers are at full strength to start the year and to really come out the gates hot. I get all of that. But at the end of the day, it's a marathon, not a sprint for not only the season, but also training camp. Like training camp's long. Training camp's not necessarily this one or two week thing. It is a five week thing. So I am perfectly fine with David Bakhtiari taking his time. I don't think it's a reason to panic. Hopefully the knee is never going to be an issue again. And if it is going to be an issue for David Bakhtiari's entire career, then we have a lot to worry about as Packer fans. But we can't cross that bridge yet. Is that bridge getting built? Yes, that bridge is in the background. There's development started on that bridge, but there's also a bridge where Bakhtiari has a hell of a second half of his career post knee injury and is the same player that we expected, that we've seen for years on that. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. It's been a really good weekend for the Milwaukee Brewers. It started on Friday night. The Brewers walk it off in a very wild game with the Colorado Rockies where all hopes look lost. The Brewers came back. 
they were able to also come back in the 10th inning. They kept fighting, and they win it in the 13th inning. Then the Brewers blow out the Rockies on Friday night. They had a significant lead. They were, I think, were 9-1 at one point. They finished 9-4, and then today it was just a back-and-forth marathon. It really felt like it was Coors Field, not necessarily American Family. Uh, the Brewers had a 5-2 lead, but they lost that, and then they lost it again. Uh, it was 6-6, and the Rockies take a lead, and the Brewers battle back with four in the eighth inning to go, get up to 10-6, or 10, yeah, 10-8, uh, the Rockies were get another run in the ninth with Josh Hader, but the Brewers won 10 to nine, and the Brewers have now won three straight games. It's the first time the Brewers have won three straight games in quite a while. I think it was since that Rays. Who else did they beat? They beat somebody. Oh, the Blue Jays. They had a four-game winning streak uh, for that Blue Jays and then the Rays, and that was the last like extended winning streak the Brewers had, which was nearly a month ago, and we had a malaise really heading into the end of the year. And I think there was a lot of discussion last Monday about what the Brewers can do to regain the trust. And it's night and day. It's a night and day feeling with the Milwaukee Brewers right now. Does all it take is a bad team like the Colorado Rockies? Maybe. But I would preface with that, I think the Brewers do look a little bit different at the plate. I don't know if you guys noticed this. It could be just my rose-colored glasses. It could be me being an optimist. But I've noticed that the Milwaukee Brewers are doing a lot more of taking the ball the other way, working counts, but also when they're in that two-strike mode, it's not necessarily that they're looking for the walk. Like sometimes when the Brewers are on two strikes, there's like a fine line between, you know, looking at strike three or trying to basically pull the ball. They're just trying to take what the pitcher is giving them. And that's why I think we've seen so many two-strike as well as two-out RBIs. The Brewers have done a really good job of almost defensive swinging, defensive baseball, you know, where they're basically making sure that the pitchers have to throw them really good pitches. None of the Rockies pitchers have gotten the best of them. And again, I understand the Rockies are one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball. I'm not... Like, I'm not ignorant to that. Like, they could easily struggle against Minnesota or Boston. But you look at the schedule now, and all of a sudden, the Red Sox have careened off a cliff. They have this terrible series against the Toronto Blue Jays, where they get outscored 40-10. to The Red Sox now look like sellers. Could they trade Xander Bogarts? Could all of a sudden, you know, the Red Sox have a a sell-off, and they look like a, a different team by the weekend, the Brewers play them. And then the Brewers have the Pirates. And again, here we go, right? The Brewers have a real opportunity to make a run. And they are comfortable in the second half. They've always been good in the second half. They have the third best record in all of baseball in the second half since 2018. The Cardinals and Dodgers are the only teams with better records. Now that obviously works against the Brewers' favor, given that they'll be competing with both for playoff spots. But still, that's that. Some of this is is kind of laying, you know, laying in front of us. Is where we're seeing this. Some of this is basically out in front of us. We're seeing this play out at least through the first three games. Is it going to be rainbows and unicorns for the entire second half? 
Absolutely not. That you cannot expect that. Although I feel like the Atlanta Braves was this is the first time the Atlanta Braves got their asses kicked in what seems like forever. I saw something where I think since June first they're like thirty one and eleven. Like they're at, they've been absolutely out of their mind as a baseball team and still not in first place with, with the NL East as the Mets built up such a big lead in the early part of the season. But. So if we get that type of run, yeah, it's going to be awesome. This is going to be a really fun two months. But I know that there are going to be strife. I know there's going to be struggles. But it does seem like everybody is hitting the ball. And what also cannot be ignored is the Brewers are finally at full strength health-wise. Like If you look at this, this is probably the healthiest the Brewers have been all season, right? And wouldn't you know it, Hunter Renfro, red hot. Three straight date games with a home run. Colton Long, also really, really hot. Both of those guys missed extended times during the season. Willie Adamas is doing so much more to hit the ball to right field. Like I the I kind of noticed this with the series against the Twins and the Giants too. But like Adamas is taking a tactical approach to go to right field and go in the other way. Christian Yelich is continuing to do his thing. Yes, they did lose Jace Peterson. That will be a loss, but can we just can we have a little bit of honesty hour here? Like I, I like Jace Peterson, but I haven't seen Jace Peterson come up with a big hit all season. Jace Peterson works counts, he gets on base, he has a big hit here and there. But when the chips are down seventh or eighth inning, I can't trust Jace Jace Peterson in that spot. But you know what? Who I can? Mike Brousseau. Mike Brousseau to me can be the Jace replacement. Like I think you can get the same production out of Jace that you get out of Mike Brousseau. I realize that Jace Peterson has the highest war, but some of that to me is positional. Some of that is the fact that Jace, again, is very consistent for the first seven innings, but I get worried every time he's up in a big moment, in a close game, eighth or ninth inning, and that's not great. This Brewer offense looks really good, and I think it's a lot to do with the fact they are healthy, and, they, and getting Tyrone Taylor back, I think, is a really big lift to this team. He hits a home run today. He had an RBI in the on Saturday's game. But now you have a guy you can add to your outfield rotation. You can get breathers to guys like Yelich and McCutcheon and even Renfro, for that matter. Now, you don't really want to take away his arm in right field. But the fact that he's had a hamstring injury, a calf injury, if he's having these soft tissue injuries, there are going to be days where maybe Hunter Renfro needs a break, where he needs a day at DH. I don't think there will be anything wrong with that. And now that you have Taylor there, you can kind of give him that reprieve. You can have that there for you, which is really good, which I I think cannot be understated for the Brewers. And they they have a nice roster right now uh, offensively, and it's showing through with the way they're producing against the Rockies. And it can continue with the schedule they have upcoming. As for the pitching staff, uh, it's it's been a little bit ragged. I mean, the Rockies are a good offense. That's the that is the thing about Colorado. Like they have a good offense. They're very good against left-handers. You saw against Eric Lauer. I did think some of the Eric Lauer stuff was soft contact. He did give up a home run to Chris Bryant, but other than that, like I thought it was more bad luck for Eric Lauer. He talked about the, the he felt like he made all the right pitches, but they felt they fell in all the wrong spots. I can totally relate to that with Eric Lauer. I think that was that sums it up really nicely. Um, and you had 
Woodruff looked really good. That I will say. Woodruff has continued to look really good at AmFam. Not the greatest start for Corbin Burns, but I'm not really sweating that. It could have just been the long layoff. Like that's been a week, or no, it was more than that. It was eight days since Corbin Burns had pitched last. So maybe it was something like that. I think we'll see how he looks against the Twins. I think that's a day game that he'll be pitching against the Twins, right? Because we will see Woodruff in Boston on Friday for Friday's game. So there is that. One thing I forgot to mention when we were doing our open was the Aaron Ashby signing. He pitches today. Aaron Ashby getting a five-year, $20 million extension. Quite the run for Ashby here in the month of July. He gets engaged over the All-Star break and now gets a big deal. The Brewers will now have Ashby Peralta as well as Christian Yelich basically signed for the next however many years, I think since till 2028. So like they are, they've established that not only the older guy, the face of the franchise, but they've established their young core and signed up their young core and their young pitching staff, which is really good. And I think they will make a decision on whether it will be Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff this offseason. I think Woodruff will be cheaper. I think you, the cynic, will say, oh, Mark Ananasio will go cheap and he'll sign Woodruff instead of signing Burns. But maybe Burns is out of your price range. I don't know that yet. I don't know what Burns can fetch on the open market. I think he can get a quite a pretty penny, but I do wonder, do you basically say to Burns, like, hey, look, we want to basically make you the pitching version of Christian Yelch. Now, do I think they should give him 10 years? No, I think seven years at most would probably make sense. But if the Brewers can get a deal done for either Woodruff or Burns, I think preferably Burns, they are really set up for success in the long run. You're likely not going to be able to keep both of them. It's highly unrealistic. I think the situation that will probably play out is the Brewers will trade Josh Hader this offseason, and then they will trade either Woodruff or Burns the following year. And that will kind of be the setup that they maintain to kind of keep staying younger as well as getting you know more pitching prospects in, getting more guys into it. And there are other guys that are potentially ready and waiting, like an Ethan Small, like an Anton Kelly. Anton Kelly probably a couple years away, but you get my point, right? There are guys that are going to be ready, ready and available for the Milwaukee Brewers. And Aaron Ashby, I think it's a good risk. I think Aaron Ashby has struggled a little bit this year. He's not been good with a lead. Uh, it feels like he gets too comfortable when a lead is happening. But who knows? Maybe this is something that they've been talking about. You know, obviously, the pressure of getting engaged and having that ring. I'm sure Ashby's had it for a while. Maybe all the pressure gets off. We'll see how he does tonight against Colorado. Again, Colorado is a great offense, especially against left-handers. So I'm not expecting a ton from Ashby in this start. But hopefully he can kind of springboard this and have a great second half. There's no reason to believe that Ashby can't be very successful in the second half. I also love that Freddy Peralta is in AAA in the rehab start. That, to me, was a underrated headline of the weekend because Freddy Peralta, if you're, you know, with rehab starts, for those who are unfamiliar or maybe don't get it, if you have to, you know, spend a significant amount of time in rehab, they might start you out at single A. Like they did that with Jacob DeGrom, right? 
where you start out single A, you just need to get comfortable, you need to get your feet wet again, and then they'll say, all right, now you'll pitch in triple A, which are a little more of a competitive batters. Friday was already pitching at triple A, and he, I think he went, he pitched tonight, today. Uh, he went like three innings, I think he gave up a run, walked one, struck out three. Pretty solid, right? Like not anything to shake your dick at. And now he'll probably do another rehab start. And then I wonder if Freddie's going to be ready to join the rotation in the middle of August. That would be a huge boost to Milwaukee Brewers. That would be something where the Milwaukee Brewers could potentially make a run at that number two seed. I don't think it's anything that we can talk about right now. But if the Brewers have a scorching month of August, and then maybe that becomes a conversation. And I think having Freddie Peralta there would be a huge part of it. Who knows the status on Adrian Hauser? Um, I think his DL stint would be up pretty soon. So I think we should know if Hauser needs extended time, if Hauser is going to also do rehab work, what that looks like. Now, Hauser struggled this year, and I would personally put Hauser in the bullpen when he returns and have a Peralta, Ashby, Lauer, Burns, Woodruff. That would be my guys. I think I still am okay with Eric Lauer. Gives up a little too many home runs for my liking. But, you know, that sometimes in October might not matter as much if the weather gets a little colder. It, the dome, obviously, for the Brewers is closed. So who knows? I I do like what the Brewers have going pitching-wise. And then as for Hayter, man, I, I don't know if it's the... Tr- I think it's the trade rumors, really. I think the trade rumors are getting to him. I think that that's bothering him and maybe his future and... He might not want to leave Milwaukee. And if he doesn't want to leave Milwaukee, then work with him on a deal that makes sense. If the Brewers want to bring back Josh Hader, I am okay with that. I would live with that. I don't I think it's a little risky to, you know, sign closers, but I Josh Hader might be a unicorn. And this struggle has been a deep one for him. It's been a mess for this entire month. So hopefully at some point he figures it out and starts looking good again. And he and what's weird is he was almost there. Like his first two batters were awesome. It's like, okay, here's that Josh Hader again. And then he gives up the triple to Hampton. He walks the next batter and he ha- he and, or he gives up a run. He gives up a single. And then they finally get Chris Bryant out. And it was on a excuse me swing. He kind of jammed him in. And Hader smiled at the end of it. So hopefully this is a springboard for him. Hopefully this is the start of it. Maybe that was the last bad start for Josh Hader. We know he has these bad months, and maybe just the trade rumors will go away as the Brewers keep winning baseball games. I don't think you need to advocate for a switch to Devin Williams. I will say Devin Williams obviously will be fresh. He hasn't. He did not pitch today, so maybe Devin Williams is the guy tomorrow. I don't know if they would do that because then it's like a closer controversy, so maybe not, but... Josh Hader is going to right the ship. I do think the Brewers need some help, though, when it comes to middle relief and even lead-in relief. Like, I know Colomay was bad today for the Rockies, but he's been really good all year. So I do wonder, would that be a type of guy you look at? Um, I think those type of guys should be considered for the Brewers because, A, I don't know if Brad Boxberg is that guy, and, B, I think they need, like, one more middle reliever to kind of just round out their team. Like, John o. Gustav is not, to me, a guy I can trust. Hobie Milner, I, definitely a dude I can trust. 
But I would say Gustav is way down on my power rankings. I think Trevor Gott, it, he hovers. Like sometimes I can trust Trevor Gott. Sometimes I can't. Brent Suter, it's, it's, that's always, to me, that's always an adventure as well. So I don't know. I think they need one more middle reliever. But yeah, we'll, t- we'll recap uh, Wednesday, Monday's game uh, on tomorrow's show. And it was all in all, though, it's a house money game because you've won three games of this series. You'd like to keep the streak going, but it's not the end of the world if they lose tonight. So we'll see what happens uh, as the Brewers take on the Rockies for a unheralded uh, four-game series that goes Friday to Monday. You don't see those too often. I spent a lot of time on the Brewers. Whew. That was like a Brewer deep dive, if you will. Maybe we'll do we'll do it as like a plus. Sometimes they'll do that where it's like two topics on the show. Not that you care. Just telling you how the sausage is made sometimes. Moving on to the Chicago Bears and their hideous uniforms. Everybody's releasing shit. Um, it's all the rage right now. I think black helmets are the theme of the year. Uh, the NFL has permitted teams to have alternate helmets. Uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, so everybody's going to black. I think you've had the New Orleans Saints, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Jets, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Carolina Panthers all have black helmets in the last couple of days. Some look better than others. Um, you've also had the New York Giants going back to their old giant script. I guess the Buccaneers can't go to the creamsicles until next year. Uh, so we'll look forward to that, where the creamsicles will make their return. Uh, but the Chicago Bears decided to get in the mix, and the Chicago Bears are going with all orange helmets that they're going to wear on their Thursday night game against the Commanders. They're also going to wear orange uniforms. Uh, so it will be a lot of orange. They will look like a fucking pumpkin. I gave them a grade on TikTok. You can see that on Tabby the Keg Sports. Follow it there. I also did it on Instagram. And I, I said as much. I gave it a D minus. It was very, very bad. It was not good. But it's it's part of the money-making business. I think the Bears could have got a lot smarter. I was talking to some guy in the TikTok comments who's like, what if they would have done the Chicago flag? And I was thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, that would have been perfect. Like, why not do a helmet with the three Chicago stars? Do it with a blue helmet. Have the stars be orange. And then your uniforms be just your normal blue uniforms. Why not do something like that? Why not do a Spirit of Chicago or add some stars to your normal, like the back of your jersey or something like that? I don't know, right? Like to me, that seems like an easy win. That brings like a city feel to it and everything like that. The orange just feels like the Bears wanted to do something. They wanted to try to make some money. And they go with this orange traffic cone looking uniform and it's ugly it's just it really is brutal that orange is really really kind of striking on the eye so i'm not a fan of it i do not endorse that by any any way shape or form but the topic here is what would be the thing that would make you sort of cringe as a packer fan now mark murphy has announced that the Packers will not be doing any sort of alternates um, for the foreseeable future. I didn't know this, but the Packers do it in that like five-year increments. So the Packers will be sticking to those green get-ups that they had, which were I thought were really nice. I liked the green get-ups. I thought they were great. Um, and they'll stick to those for until 2025. It feels like a really long time. Um, they'll, I think, also have the yellow helmets. I don't know. Maybe they go with a green helmet 
and they say surprise we're we're changing it up but i'm sure it will be the yellow helmet again the all yellow and but what would be the one thing that would give you like pause as a packer fan where you'd be like oh my god i can't can't do this anymore i think it would be an all yellow uniform i think if they went all yellow like they basically looked like the color of piss i think that would be a time where we'd be like all right we've kind of strayed too far from the sun I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in like the late 90s, early 2000s, there were like yellow Packer jerseys that I don't know if it was champion or starter. Have to maybe get the retro daddy on this, but like you could get a far of like yellow Packer jersey. They were pretty easy to get, like, but there weren't an alternate for the Packers. It was almost like the company, whether it was champion or Reebok for that matter, like made alternate jerseys that just didn't exist. And they were cool colors that people would want to buy, AKA kids, because they were like, oh, this is cool, it's a yellow jersey. You'll see them every now and again. If I see one, I will definitely point it out and post it on Twitter because, or Instagram, because it, it's definitely striking because the Packers have never done. But if they did a yellow with green lettering and a yellow helmet, yellow pants, that would be pretty bad. If they did green pants, maybe it works, but ah, man, that would be pretty weird. They don't. They look like Oregon, actually. That's what they would look like, and that's a that to me is a bridge too far. If they went with green helmets and they were green, green, and then gold pants again, I think you're you're hovering in that Oregon zone, right? Are you becoming Oregon? And I don't know, man. That that would be one that I would I would have a little bit of trepidation as well. Uh, if it was a all green get up, like a color rush, if you will, or was something that was, you know, a like green or green helmet, green, green top, and then yellow on the, the traditional yellow pants. I still, I don't know. I don't know if I could get down with that. What I could get down with would be an all white uniform. So if they went white helmet, white white jersey nor classic white jersey and then white pants they did the all white for the color rush which i actually wore they were sharper than people give it credit for their color rush uniforms were really slick especially watching them like when you watch them you just look fast they they really did and if you added white helmets that mix and it was like this ice out you could do it yeah to me like that's the idea we're workshopping this as like a marketing meeting but seriously like it that's that's the plan right there is you basically have a whiteout and you call it like a snow the snow uniforms or the ice uniforms or something like that and you go all white i like that that would be my idea if the packers were to do one that's the best one i think the worst one is going all piss or doing yellow helmets yellow jerseys and green pants i think that's definitely the worst that to me is your Chicago Bear example. All right, let's talk about the weekend, a little weekend recap for you. Um, it's just a couple things from the weekend. It's not anything really of note. Um, just some things that I would like to share with the class. Number one, Project X is an underrated high school like party movie. Really just a party movie in general. Project X is incredible. How the fuck? Has it been 10 years and I had not seen that movie? I never made it around to it. It came out my last year of college or after I had just graduated college and I never saw that movie. I don't know why. It's in the same genre as Superbad. Like it, it has Superbad feel. It feels like they borrow from Superbad. 
But man, that movie kicked ass. It's on Netflix until the end of the month. And you do want to fucking party. It's a good movie to watch with like a little bit of a buzz going. Like if you have like had three or four beers, it's perfect. Uh, my wife was not happy with me because I sound like green, my wife. But no, she wasn't happy with me because we were watching another movie. We had been drinking all afternoon and we are watching another movie, Birdcage. It wasn't bad. But I fell asleep for the first like probably 45 minutes. And one thing I'm great at is the disco nap. If you're unfamiliar with the disco nap, it is taking like a quick snooze anywhere from probably 15 to an hour and then bringing yourself back to life and going out again and just saying like, all right, I have a second wind. That is, sometimes I just need like that charge of battery. Like I just need to be plugged in for a little bit. And then after that, I'm ready to roll. And that was how it was. Like I took that nap and then I was like, all right, I'm not tired when you're going to bed. I'm watching another movie. And I was listening to Bill Simmons. He had mentioned Project X, they did rewatchable. I'm like, all right, fuck it. That sounds like a great like Saturday night movie. And I was really happy I threw it on. So that's a big recommendation from your boy. Uh, other thing that I would recommend, which I think everybody knows about, so I'm not like breaking news here, but it was my first time at Barnacle Buds. First, another one, how the fuck have I never been to Barnacle Buds? Like I realize it is way jammed like in there in Walker's Point. It's really hard to find. It's right on the river. But man, that place is just an establishment for drinkers. Like that to me is a professional drinking establishment. Like yes, is it family friendly? Sure. Do they have probably the one of the better seafood selections in Milwaukee that is relatively inexpensive? Yes. But is it a place where you could just get blitzed on a Saturday afternoon? Absolutely. The only thing they're missing was a TV outside. If they had a TV outside with like the river breeze getting off of that, people coming off boats, like, oh my God, you'd go there every, why wouldn't you go there every Saturday? But yeah, I have to do that more often. That to me is one of those where I've now officially put that in the Tickler file. I always thought it was kind of overrated. People talk about it a lot, right? It's definitely a Milwaukee staple, especially in the summertime. And I've always kind of thought it's a little bit overrated. It's not. No, it's a great time. I had a fucking blast there. Um, and, and had very, very ice cold Miller Lights, which can't go wrong. Uh, and then the last thing I have, so it's Northwestern Mutual's big event, uh, the, an, uh, the annual conference, annual meetings, I think they called. And you'll see all these guys in suits with their, like, all their accomplishments, like looking like they're in the fucking military, but they're just selling insurance. And I realized I shouldn't shit on Northwestern Mutual because... They're a huge employer. They do so much for the city of Milwaukee. Their tower is gorgeous. I I used to work there transparently. I didn't sell insurance or anything, heaven forbid. I just was in social media, and this was years ago now. This has been, gosh, we're hovering on eight years now since I'd worked for NM. But I will just say that, to me, this is like the biggest week for tryhards in the city. Like, this is just like... People trying to impress other people, like a lot of people trying to be big swinging dicks and they're just not, right? It, and it's like, they're happy with what they do. I'm like, you just sell fucking life insurance, man. Like, that's all it is. Like they were, they did like a marathon today or not a marathon, it was like a 5K. 
But if I had to do a 5K for work on a Sunday, I'd probably just go to Lake Michigan. Like that to me is like KMS stuff. Like no fucking way. But everybody drinks the Kool-Aid. And I think that was really hard for me when I was like 25. Like this is my first like corporate job and everybody drinks the Kool-Aid there. And I'm like, what the fuck? I also, what didn't help too was I was listening a lot to KFC Barstool and KFC at that time was talking about how much the cubes suck and you didn't want to be a cube monkey. So I was definitely influenced by that, 100%, no no doubt about it. Actually, that was my first corporate job. Kohl's, weirdly enough, was my first first corporate job and then now I went back, whatever. We don't need, I don't need to give you my job history. Some of you know it, some of you don't. But anyways, uh, working for NM, it was, there was a lot of that. And I probably did a bad job. I easily could have kept working there, but as it is for everything, because I worked there on a contract and then didn't get renewed, whatever, at the end of the year. And I think that next year, that next summer or the summer after that, they laid they did their first layoffs ever and included a lot of people in marketing. So I think that I'll leave you with that life lesson, if you will, uh, to leave the show is like, even when you have regrets, there's usually a reason why, or you could have been in a bad situation a few months later. All right, that was a long show for a, fr- for a summer Monday, but I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow. I think we'll do some training camp storylines. Um, we'll talk about the Brewers and Rockies, talk a little bit Brewers Twins, the two-gamer that we have going on, um, and anything else. Giannis, I do want to talk about Lethal Shooter, uh, who is Bobby Portis's shooting coach, becoming Giannis's or the Bucks shooting coach. I kind of want a little more news on that before we talk about it on the podcast, but maybe we'll do that tomorrow too. Who knows? And if anything else comes around the wire, I think we'll get a lot on Monday, especially with all the training camp stuff buzzing. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a lovely Monday, best you can. Just remember, some of us get a couple days off this week. So I am am perfectly fine with this Monday. This Monday is like my Wednesday. I'll be okay. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.